Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, amma ba'd. Jazakallahu khairan for joining another session of our weekly tafsir, where we look at key verses pertaining to business, money, finance, and society, and draw forth actionable points of benefit, as I've just mentioned. Today, we'll be going through verse number 95 of Surah An-Nisa and sharing some thoughts over its meanings. The verse in question goes as follows a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim la yastawil qa'iduna minal mu'minina ghayr minal mu'minina ghayra ulid darari wal mujahiduna fi sabilillahi bi amwalihim في سبيل الله بأموالهم وأنفسهم فضل الله المجاهد مجاهدين بأموالهم وأنفسهم على القائدين درجة وكلا وعد الله الحسنى وفضل الله المجاهدين على على القائدين أجرا عظيما the verse is translated as Those who stay at home, except those with valid excuses, are not equal to those who strive in the cause of Allah with their wealth and with their lives. Allah has elevated in rank those who strive with their wealth and their lives above those who stay behind with valid excuses. Allah has promised each a fine reward but those who strive will receive a far better reward than others. Now, what's really important about this verse is that the context in which it was revealed was a verse which was one of many injunctions related to jihad that Allah revealed to the believers, Medina. And a key thing to point out is that Allah recognized that many people had very legitimate reasons to stay behind. But regardless, Allah still pointed out to us that those who strived do receive a better reward. Now, I was thinking about this verse earlier. And of course, as we already know, that as Muslims in the West, without any political entity, the normative rules and rulings of jihad don't really apply to us in the literal sense. But jihad at its root its root meanings means to struggle and to strive. And in a religious context, it means to strive for the sake of Allah or on the path of Allah, you know, the terms that we hear all the time, fi sabilillah. But what are the struggles that we as Muslims face today and that we can do for Allah? You see, there are many different types of struggle and everyone has their own capacity for struggles and tests and different tribulations that we are faced with. One of which we commonly hear is jihad al-nafs. Now, these are personal struggles that we all face and everyone has their own difficulties that we face on a day-to-day -day basis. One could be struggling with health issues. The other could be struggling to get up and pray. One could be struggling against peer pressure. There are many different types of jihad that we face internally. But what do we understand by the greater jihad? the fi sabilillah statement that we often hear today and that we often read in the Qur'an all the time and heard referred to in various talks and lectures and ahadith. 
this greater jihad is, I feel that it's something beyond just our own struggles. Rather, it is about the struggles that are for more than just oneself. They're for the struggles of society, for the Muslims, for Allah, and for the ummah at large, I would say. You see, Allah has blessed us all with different skills and abilities. Some of us are good at certain things and others are better at others. A good example is some of us are more creative, some of us are more rational, some of us are more physically active, some of us are more prone to thinking and deliberating. And each skill has its own advantages and disadvantages. And But the point is that we as an ummah bring all these skills together. Everyone has a part that they can play in society. And we use these skills day to day when we figure out what career paths that we want to embark on and what hobbies we choose and what type of activities that we engage in. We do this based on the skill set that we know that we have somewhat been blessed with or that we have an active interest in improving. But I think a key thing is that we can use these skills to better serve Muslims and benefit not just ourselves, but people around us. We can benefit the Muslims, we can benefit the religion, or we can benefit society at large. But it's very important that while we're doing all of that, that we have the intention to please Allah and to seek His reward. What do I mean by that? For example, many of us think that if you want to be a religious person or if you want to gain the maximum reward in paradise, you have to be a big scholar, you have to be a monk. You know, many of us think that we have to fast literally every day and we have to pray continuously and we have to be constantly in a state where we are doing some sort of ibadah. But what we don't realize is ibadah is also in our actions and our intentions. Those can count as ibadah too. Now, let me give you an example. You might be a journalist. Now, you might think that, okay, how can I do ibadah through being a journalist? But you could use that skill to speak against oppression because you have that connection to the media. You might be a video editor and you could use that skill to create informative videos that would help the religion and clear many misconceptions that people have about Islam. You might be a lawyer and you could use that skill to do pro bono work and help underprivileged and oppressed people. They don't necessarily have to be Muslim, but if you're doing it for the sake of Allah in trying to help those that need help, then that very much will get you reward in the Akhirah. And that could be your personal jihad. Some great examples that I would like to illustrate to you of people that have basically used their time to benefit people and society at large. So we have Sheikh Muhammad al-Sharif. Now, while he is a scholar, he was one of the first people that made knowledge accessible to Muslims in the West when he created Al-Maghrib Institute. Al-Maghrib became famed as an organization because of how much effort he put in into thinking about creating courses for the everyday Muslim that relate to their lives. And as a result, many, many Muslims have benefited. You've also got some brothers that I personally know who run an organization called Halls for Jumu'ah. Now, these are guys who work in the city and they realized there's not many masajid around them. So many Muslims were missing out on Jumu'ah prayer because they're at the office and they don't have anywhere where they can pray Jumu'ah. But what did these brothers do? They decided in their spare time, they're going to organize 
and higher halls across central London where and arrange for khatibs to come and deliver a khutbah so that many Muslim brothers and sisters in central London can find a place to pray Jumu'ah. And they do this in their free time. As far as I know, they're not a profit organization. They're not for profit. So they benefit the ummah in this way. They didn't have to be these hugely knowledgeable scholars or they didn't have to be uh, monks praying all day and night. But they found a problem that the ummah is facing and they found a solution to that. And they spent their time and effort and that was their personal jihad. Now the point of this isn't to give you ideas per se. The point is to show that we all have these skills and that we can do something that is greater than ourselves and benefit others. So find your skill and make it your jihad for the sake of Allah, the Muslims and society. Another point worth mentioning is that Allah doesn't just refer to jihad with one's life in this verse. He also refers to one's wealth, not just once, but twice in fact. Why? Because giving money away is hard and we all naturally have an inclination towards wealth. We love it. We love hoarding it. And it's a struggle to let it go, especially when you know you're not physically getting some kind of benefit back. But this also tells us that it's not always about doing these things. This verse tells us that it's not always about doing all these different projects and starting organizations. Rather, there is jihad and there is the associated reward with that jihad in supporting other organizations or individuals that are striving to do good in the ummah or the community or society at large. So it's worth bearing in mind that often we talk about charity a lot. We, alhamdulillah, as a Muslim ummah are very giving. But when giving in charity, we usually have the same kind of same old investment strategy, really. We give to humanitarian charities as well as our masajid, and usually it's restricted to those two. But don't get me wrong, they're incredible organizations to support, but we should also seek to diversify our sadaqah portfolio, as I should say. Now, there are so many great projects that Muslims are running that don't, or even non-Muslims are run, running that are not just benefiting Muslims, but they're benefiting animals, they're benefiting the earth, they are benefiting people, and they're benefiting the world at large. So why not donate towards those? A few good examples are, you know, Islamic schools, medical research charities such as cancer research, you know, Muslim media, we've got a rising amount of websites that are documenting Muslim-related news. So why not support those? Or our youth, local youth groups. Many people don't think about youth groups as organizations to support. But when definitely as a parent, I could say that now it's definitely on my mind when I see what's going on on the street and where I would want my children to be when they're growing up. I definitely prefer them to be in a youth center as opposed to on the streets. There's loads of other projects such as education or funding future Islamic scholars or environmental organizations or even local community projects such as a neighborhood watch or a local food kitchen. And then lastly, also, I think one area that we always fail to donate to or seek to recognize as a viable option for our sadaqah is our relatives. Now, some of our relatives might be in big amounts of debt. Some of our relatives might not be as fortunate as us. So we should donate to them. We should give them money. Obviously, don't go to them um, saying, here's some charity, but give them some money as a gift. And you're getting 
reward in two aspects here. One is maintaining the ties. And the second aspect is in giving charity. So you're getting double the reward for a single action. I consider that a very good return indeed. Now, I think when we tie all of this back to why we should be waging this jihad of giving and supporting the ummah, we have to remember why we're ultimately doing that. And it's for Allah and it's for Jannah and ultimately seeking Allah's reward, which is Jannah. And we need to remember that Jannah has ranks and stations and that once you die, you will be assigned a rank on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and that is it. That rank you will be stuck with for the rest of eternity. Now, don't get me wrong. It's amazing to get into Jannah and just getting into Jannah is a huge success. But why should we aim for the bottom of the barrel? We should aim for the very top. The Prophet ﷺ in an authentic hadith told us to aim for Jannah al-Firdaus al-A'la, the highest part of Jannah. Aim for that because even if you miss, you will at least still end up somewhere in the top half, hopefully, inshallah, with Allah's permission and mercy. So we should aim for these high ranks. And to put it into perspective, the differences between the ranks, the Prophet ﷺ narrated that those in the lowest ranks will look up to those in the highest ranks, just as we look at the stars today. When you look up at the stars, they seem so distant, so far away. That's because they actually are. The stars are actually each um, individual suns with huge amounts of mass and energy and light coming off of them. But we see them as tiny dots. So imagine in Jannah, the same could be said about those that will have the highest rewards. They'll be so far away, so far high above those that are in the lowest, that the lowest will wish that they did some more good deeds so that they could be higher. So brothers and sisters, I think it's really important that we strive to attain the highest rank possible. And I know it's not going to be easy, it's going to be difficult, but by Allah, it will be worth it. As Allah himself said in this verse, he finishes this verse by saying, those who strive will receive a far better reward than others. So think about that, brothers and sisters. And I think lastly, to conclude, we'll summarize the action points, which is give, give, give to the ummah. Find a skill that you're good at and dedicate some time to use that skill to building a solution for a problem that the ummah or society at large faces. And do this with the intention to please Allah and seek his reward. And if you for whatever reason cannot benefit the world and the ummah and the society with your time and sweat, then at least benefit it with your money. Your rank in the hereafter is final. Don't forget that. Now's the time to raise your rank and work towards something bigger than yourself. And with that, we conclude today's tafsir. Jazakallahu khairan for joining me today. And inshallah, we will see you next week. Wa akhirud da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.